Welcome to Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam, a podcast about navigating adolescence without losing our minds. Each week, I guide you around the teenage landmines with practical tips, simple solutions, and words of encouragement. I'm your host, Dr. Cam. Let's get on with the show. Welcome back, amazing parents. As you know, we talk a lot on the show about how critical it is to maintain a strong relationship with our teenagers. This nurtures their mental, emotional, and social well-being. Our connection with them is also a protective factor against anxiety, depression, drug use, so much more. But knowing it and doing it are very different things. Many parents tell me that they want to connect with their teens, but their teens don't want anything to do with them. So what do you do? Today, I'm joined by Megan Leahy, a renowned parent coach and parenting columnist at the Washington Post. Megan specializes in helping caregivers build and strengthen connections with their children, even when it feels incredibly hard. Welcome, Megan. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much for having me. Welcome to my bedroom. Yes, it's lovely and so neat. I, you would never, I would never want to be in mine. <laughs> um, there's a random humidifier. Oh, okay, we see. So. We're not looking. We're not looking over there. We're going to cover that. So Megan, let's start with a quick backstory. What got you inspired to focus on parenting and writing as a columnist too? Um, let's see. I have been working with kids and families since I graduated in a long time ago. Um <laughs> I started as an English teacher for all boys and I loved my job. I was a terrible teacher, (laughs) Um, but I loved the kids and um, they kept asking me inappropriate questions because I was so conversational and open with them and a safe place. And so I was like, "Hmm, this doesn't feel legal for me to help them figure out if they can have sex in eighth grade. So I um, <clears throat> I went back to Hopkins and got my master's degree in counseling mm-hmm. uh, with a specialization in school. Um, I did that for a little bit and realized I hated that. All, everything I loved turned into red tape mm-hmm. and um, hardship. Um, and So while I was doing all that, I was having my own children and realizing, oh, this is super hard. Like this is, this is kind of a nightmare. Um, So I started going to parenting classes myself at PEP, the Parent Encouragement Program in Kensington, Mm -hmm. Maryland. And it was just very humbling. And I realized the healing nature of groups, of Mm -hmm. knowing that other people are struggling. Yeah of not feeling alone. And after I had my third child, I decided, hey, I could actually like do this for a living. Um, And because I was volunteering, I was like, I could make money. And um, so I got uh, certified as a parent coach, which, you know, back in 2010 was, there wasn't a lot. No. Um, And since then, uh, I've been steadily doing it. I got another uh, certification from the Newfeld Institute and lots of, you know, through the Ross Green model, mm-hmm. um, lots of work. Um, I lucked into the, the Washington Post 
columnist job um, around 2014. And uh, I pretty much wrote for free and threw myself at them until <laughs> the woman who was writing it wanted to retire. Yeah. And when she found out there was somebody in the wings, she retired and I got the gig. Nice. <clears throat> yeah, I love it. Yeah. It's really hard because I get so much incomplete information. Mm. <laughs> Excuse me. Yeah, you got to answer questions with little context. I mean, yeah, and they don't even like give me an age sometimes. Um, yeah. And there's a lot of hate mail. So it really does show oh, me, like, you know, how really, oh my God, so <sighs> much hate mail. Yeah. Um, but that's okay too, because at least they're reading. So thank you. There, there you go. <laughs> right. At least it's causing some sort of emotion, evoking some emotion, right? Yeah. So that's, that's the long and the short of it. I've yeah. been, yeah, helping families for over 20 years. Yeah, it's wonderful. Yeah, what thanks. is one of the biggest, I guess, concerns, issues, whatever that you keep seeing coming across your desk? Oh my God. <laughs> so pre-pandemic, it wasn't like this. Mm. Post-pandemic, it's either the regular developmental annoying stuff. Yeah. Sorry. It's all right. Allergies. Do you want to take a stop and grab some water? No, I'm okay. Okay. Um, so it's either like my kid won't go to sleep. Mm -hmm. Like the, 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 you know, the horseman of the apocalypse of little kids, sleep eating, right. Um, toileting regular stuff. Yeah. Or it is really pretty extreme behavior. Um, kids no longer attending school. Um, extraordinary levels of anxiety and depression, crippling. Um, a lot of cutting, a lot of uh, suicidal ideation, a lot of um, just extreme behaviors that felt just not as frequent and now feel not the norm, but getting there. Yeah. It's and I common. Yeah. And I think people really thought like we're done with the pandemic, which we are done with that, but the ramifications as we know, yeah. um, keep spilling out. Um, so that's what I run into. I run into either my four, you know, my three-year-old throws tantrums, you know, welcome to now that's, that's actually a yeah. good line of development or, um, you know, my eighth grader has dropped out of school and, you know, we don't know what to do. Yeah. So yeah. when you get that letter, what do you, how do you respond? And like we said, you have minimal context which has got to be extraordinarily hard because it usually takes a lot of sessions to get deep into what's going on. So how do you respond to somebody that says, Hey, help me. My team won't go to school. Yeah. So if it's a coaching relationship, right. Um, we have to, um, if it's coaching, I know a lot of information and a lot of it is undoing some of the things that the parents thought were helping. Yeah. There's a lot of power in stopping things. Yes. Right. Yeah. So we're an added in culture in America. 
Like, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. And I'm really, what can we stop doing? What can we put down? Yeah. And maybe not forever, but for now, right? Because most parents, do, you know, you scare the shit out. Sorry. You scare the crap out of them. It's it's right. just, <laughs> listen, I'm from near Philly. It's <laughs> over here. Um, it, it's really scary to say to a parent, whether in a column or in a coaching relationship, let's stop pushing them to go to school. Not what they want to hear. No. And they're spending a lot of money or they wrote this letter and a lot of hope. Um, and so I am fully aware of, of the pain that causes, right? So we kind of have to unpack or unpeel the larger picture. Yeah. Right. And part of that work is truly, whether I'm writing or coaching, understanding the dynamics of human relationships, of parent, child, caretaker, child, mm-hmm. understanding the motivations behind um, disobedient behavior, um, uh, major anger, uh, shutting down, um, uh, terrible rudeness, terrible, you know, attack energy. My job is to help the parents understand it. Yes. Not just react another way. Yeah. Um, because that's, you know, that's the cheap seats. Yeah. Those are the cheap seats of parenting that, and uh, whatever you write, like we can teach a monkey how to do that stuff. Yeah. Right. Um, I want the parents to feel confident in, um, a longer view. Yeah. Knowledgeable of what's going on rather than just reactionary. Right. And um, the experts in my field and everywhere, you know, um, we want to help people. And so we make promises or we go very behavioral and some of it is really works. Um, but one kid's medicine is another kid's poison. Yeah. And you have to, um, teach the parents how to understand the relationship with the child. Yeah. Right. Um, and that is not sexy work <clears throat> and it is not um, fast work and it is not, it is deeply humbling. It is often for when things are hard, rock bottom stuff. Yeah. Um, there's often coming to the full realization that you're not in control. I think that's a very difficult thing for parents to embrace and accept. And what I find is that, and I want to kind of get to this connection piece of it, because what I find, and, I, and I'm hearing this from you as well, is that when we're at this point where the behavior is concerning, scary, all those things, the parents want to go immediately to let's fix the behavior. And what I'm always saying is we got to step back and fix the relationship before you can even have any influence on helping them with their behavior. And parents don't want to take the time to build that. They want to go right to this end piece and it just keeps making it worse. 
So first of all, taking that step back, very difficult to, to do, very important. But then there's parents that say, okay, I'm going to do that. My teen wants nothing to do with me. I'm trying everything. So right. what do you say to these parents who have finally accepted, I got to step back. I've got to, I've got to start with the relationship first. Nothing else will work unless that relationship's there. Now what I do when my teen's not bought into that. Right. So it really depends on, on, so one of the things that we do is we really do an audit on how bad it is. Yeah. So a lot of parents will say to me, my kid wants nothing to do with me. Okay. So as a coach, I don't really believe that because nine times out of 10, the child is interacting with the parent. It's just not on the parent's terms. Right. right? So what we do is we really unpack, well, what is that vision that you want? right? That you guys are holding hands in the mall and flipping through racks at Nordstrom. Is it that you're, you know, like, what is this idealized version? And amen to it. Show me a human that doesn't want that. I'll show you a dead person. Like everybody wants. Right. Um, and it's not a no, it's just a not now. Mm -hmm. Right. So then we actually look at, okay, what are the interactions? Right. And nine times out of 10, there is something positive. There is a, some acorn. And as long as there is an interaction, even if it's FU, FU, they're interacting, which I'm like, I'll take that because ambivalence is the scariest to me. Right. Right. <clears throat> and then we begin where we begin. Right. So we put the idealized version on a shelf. It still lives. Right. And then we find ways to meet the child where they are. And we do it explicitly. And sometimes that comes with apologies to the child first. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it may sound like, Ralph, I've been treating you like a product and a project and a, th a broken thing to be fixed. Yeah. And that's shitty. Yeah. And I'm not going to do that anymore. Right? Yeah. So... Yeah you know, Wednesday at six, we're going to go grab a burger and a milkshake. You don't need to talk to me, but we're going to go do that. Yeah. A couple of things are happening there. The kid won't believe you. Nope. Trap. Right. <laughs> right. So you're going to have to make good on it and do it a lot. Um, that, but you're saying it. Okay. Um, you may be saying it to the back of their head or to the side of their face while they look at their gaming or phone, yeah. right? If you can get their eyes, amen. Uh, um, and also it's not open-ended. What do you want to do? They're going to say nothing. Know. Yeah, I don't know. Right. Um, you're not saying let's go get a burger okay, which is asking their permission, right? Um, you're putting it down because one of the misconceptions, and don't get me wrong, there are relationships where that even can't happen. Mm -hmm. We're actually sitting next to the kid is that step. Yeah. But let's say, you know, they kind of tacitly agree. There's this thinking that that parent that teens don't want parents to still have authority. They're desperate for it. Yeah. They're desperate for that caretaking. Um, uh, in the Newfeld Institute, we call it alpha energy, not alpha. I'm in control of you. 
but the caretaking that the hierarchical mammals have, right? So even though I'm a 47 year old woman, when I go into my mother's house, she takes care of me because mm-hmm. I am her daughter and mm-hmm. she is my mother. I, I want to stop here because I think this is a very critical distinction to make because authority is not the same as control. Authority can be very kind. It can be very empathetic. It can be taking into account. And I think we mix that up with authority being aggressive, do what I say, I don't need to listen to you. This is what's going down. I, I your word, it's my word. And so I want to make sure people are realizing that how do we be authoritative without being mean or aggressive or over get not giving them a voice is my biggest thing. I think a lot of kids don't feel like they have a voice. How do we give them a voice and still have authority? So this is um, a little bit of, you know, we call it in, in, in the Newfeld Institute, it's dancing, mm-hmm. trying to get in the same step, but somebody's always in the lead. Yeah. Right. So if you're saucing and they're, you know, doing the waltz, right? <clears throat> if you go in and say, I've acted like an asshole, I'm sorry, this is what I'm going to do moving forward. I'm going to make mistakes, but I'm going to, I'm committing to change. Mm -hmm. Thank you in advance for your patience, love. And, you know, and, um, I'd like us to go out on Wednesdays for burgers and milkshakes. I think we should try every different place in town, do a little ranking. And they're like, F you. Yeah. Right. Doubling down on that. No, why you are going out to burgers with me. Now you've right now you're countered. just you've countered what you're just trying to do um keeping your authority would be okay i get it you're super mad let's put a pin in this i'm going to come back mm-hmm. if you have any other ideas great yeah right so you're not going well i've tried and you know what you're not working with me right right To reestablish connection when things have been fraught, like look at it like, you know, you're on the New Jersey Turnpike and you really went off on the wrong exit, right? You've like paid a different toll, like you are on the wrong road. You don't instantaneously instantaneously get back on the turnpike. You got to reroute, right? You You definitely don't make the turnpike come and reroute to you, which is what a lot of of us wanted to do. So a really big thing is, to your point, I will be kind to him when, right? So the parents now are placing the onus of change on the children's shoulders. And by the way, I don't blame any parents for this. I haven't met really almost any parents that were raised in totally emotionally healthy households. We are learning a foreign language and teaching it to somebody else. Yeah. Right. We've abdicated our authority because a lot of us had it lorded over us. Right. Or we weren't given any and we parented ourselves. And so we are a mishmash of mess Mm -hmm. of fear, vulnerability of, of just fear, 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 so much fear. And who doesn't have it? Just, you know, watch the news and lose your mind. 
so and then being judged by everyone along the way or feeling like you're judged by everyone along the way in comparison just adds even more pressure to parents. It's and not I mean, easy. Well, no, and parents, if you're listening, which of course you should be, nobody cares about you. Nobody, nobody's actually watching because yeah. everybody cares about themselves. Themselves, yep. And the people that are watching and judging, fuck them. Nobody cares. Right? Like it's about you and this kid. And so what I want to always tell parents when we're doing this is that every moment you show up compassionately, gently, and with some alpha, I call it mother duck, it adds up. Yeah. It adds up. Every single moment that you don't give up lodges in the kid's brain as they keep showing up. Yeah. Now this sucks because we want, I want immediate. I want to go in. Sorry. I was a jerk. Now you love me. I love you. Let's go out, you know, get, now we're holding hands in the mall. <laughs> it's an accumulation of small moments and efforts. It's not sexy work. And the moment they turn towards you instead of away, no one's going to see that either. These are very private, intimate moments. Yeah. And I think it's so important to just highlighting the fact that they are very, very small and that the second we give up, we end up reversing all the effort we've made when we get mad and say, I've been doing all this stuff to connect with you yes. and you're not doing it. And now I'm upset with you. And now we've literally dug ourselves deeper than we were when we began. So we've got to be persistent and because our kids want it, but they don't trust it. No, but they've learned not to trust it. So it's going right. to take a while to gain their trust back. And I think parents focus so much on their teens gaining the parents' trust when really it's the opposite because parents, teens aren't going to trust their parents if their parents don't trust them. They just won't. No. And it, so, and which is why I have a job, right? <laughs> so, <laughs> right. Like it's why we work so that I am your cheerleader. We are the people that show up every week or in the column, like you're doing it. You're doing it. You can cry to me. You can hate your kid to me. You can say F this life. I didn't ask for this BS. Like what the hell I didn't write. Um, and I can hold that mm -hmm. reorient you judge the homework and send you back out hopeful again. Yeah. Right. Because we weren't meant to do it this alone. As mammals, we were meant to do it with our 48 sisters, 20 aunties, grandma, great-grandma, great-great-grandma, because you would have been having babies at 14. You were meant to be in a village of people that had other skills and temperaments and bandwidth. And we can't be all things, right? We really try to be, don't we? Yeah. It's a wreck. I mean, it really is a wreck. And I was talking to a pediatrician. Um, God, I'll have to remember her name. And I said, there is so much crap for women right before they get pregnant and during pregnancy. 
But the one time that unless you like start shooting heroin, there's nothing for you to do but grow the baby. <laughs> right. But and right? read books and read all the books. Yeah. Just, just sit there and grow the baby. But we are, you know, we are inundated with information. You have the baby and it is crickets. Yeah. Especially when they get to be teenagers. Well. And nobody's going to stand at the football game and be like, so my kid's smoking weed daily. How about yours? Right. Yeah. No, everybody's performing. It's too vulnerable. Yeah. Um, and so the garage doors go down, the front door shuts and everyone suffers. Yeah. Um, and it's very, very lonely and isolating. And it's, um, you're just, you're afraid. And that fear, like we forget that there's a river running underneath it, almost like lava underground or, you know, that the kids are desperate for connection. Mm -hmm. They are desperate to be with you. They're desperate to be loved and unconditionally. Yeah. I, it's um, very difficult to do that. I was talking about that earlier too. It's very difficult to do that. We say we love unconditionally and in our hearts, we love unconditionally, but our behaviors and our words are very, very conditional. And so we send a message that our love is extremely conditional. And so yeah. I think finding that connecting that there's a big dissonance there of what we think we're showing and what we think we feel and what we're actually yeah. sending the message of. That's right. And so like kind of the value of coaching or things like that is we do a lot of role play, mm. right? So I'm the kid, they're the parent, they're the kid, I'm the parent. Um, the value is to feel how something lands on you. Yeah. And they go, oh crap, that yeah. feels horrible. I'll say, yeah, totally. And thank God we know. Because we can change it and maybe they'll come back for Thanksgiving. Yes. Right? Like yeah. we can we can work with this now and they may call you after they go to college. Right? So it's never too late. It definitely, depending on the damage you've put in for how many years, I'm not going to blow smoke. Shit's hard. Yeah. But it's the human spirit seeks to connect. It does not seek to disconnect. And parents, as we know, parent and children, that relationship never dies. Even after the parent dies, you have a relationship with that parent. So it is always worthwhile to show up imperfectly, messy, uh, kind of not knowing what you're doing. Um, but if, you know, I have a goal in my co coaching um, what if you did no harm? Yeah. What if you just didn't make it worse? Yeah. It's a big, yeah. There's a lot of positive comes out of doing no harm. <laughs> I mean, it's my entire relationship with my kids. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> exactly. There is so much harm reduction. <laughs> Stay out of their way, right? Yeah, it's hard. Yeah, I said to my 16-year-old yesterday, um, I was like, I love you unconditionally. You know that, right? And she's like, yeah. I'm like, but I will ruin your life if you don't go husk that corn with your sister. <laughs> she's like, that feels like a double message. I'm like, 
It is. It is. There's many messages. <laughs> but that's an example of the, a little bit of truth and a lot of laughter and a deep connection. Right. Right. That she she knows I do love her. And she also knows that I was going to rain hellfire down if she left her sister to do all the work. And by hellfire, I wouldn't do anything. Um, you know, she was going to do it. I mean, right. Yeah. Yeah. And she's that relationship. Yeah. And you guys have all these kids where they're just, they're, they're harder to move from A to B. Yeah. They're very resistant. And I think the more we try to push them or pull them or prod them to A to B, the harder they're going to be to move because now they're just digging their heels in. And I see that too, where we just keep upping the ante and all we're doing is making it even harder um, to make any change. And so I think letting go a little bit is the last thing parents that comes to mind. It's just, it's not what people think of. It seems very counterintuitive and yet it's the most effective thing to do. And, you know, um, when I work with parents, we just go by common sense, like, okay, you've done X, Y, Z, you've spent tens of thousands of dollars, kids still not in school, kids still anxious, kids still doesn't do chores, kids still isn't leaving the room. So bare minimum, we can stop doing what isn't working because that is just data. Yeah. Right. Um, And then giving the parents another focus of um, a big mantra I have is cooperation is the result of a good relationship, not vice versa. Exactly. Yep. Obedience, which it has a negative connotation, but if you take the negativity and power thing out, obedience is the result of a good relationship. I'm obedient of my husband when I feel in sync with him. And when I'm not, I'm like, pound Sam, buddy. I ain't doing shit for you. Yeah. 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 We want to be good for people when we're connected. Yeah. A hundred percent. That goes with anybody. I mean, that goes with like teachers and their students. It goes with bosses in their call, you know, know. everyone. And when it's so for- simple that it cannot penetrate the minds of Americans. Like it's so powerful in its simplicity that it cannot be true. We could not possibly trust it. I think part of it that I keep seeing is that people want the other person to do the relationship peer part part and people struggle to be the one that makes themselves vulnerable to do that. So it is very difficult. And for parents, parents to be vulnerable seems so counter. And yet when parents are vulnerable, parents admit, I don't have it all together to their kids. When they apologize, when they've made a mistake that like ups authority and ups respect and ups all the things that we're so fearful that that's going to undermine it. It's so hard for us as, as human beings to be vulnerable. And that's what it takes to create connection. Yes. It's, um, it's terrifying because it wasn't modeled to us. We might've grown up fighting it and now we're supposed to do it. Yeah. And, um, I have empathy for everyone across the board and, um, get help, Yeah. get help. And a funny thing is too, and, and I know like our time is up soon. Um, and, and by the way, like I value this very much. But in lieu of parenting, we hire experts for our kids. Yeah. 
So we kind of create a messy dynamic. The kid acts out against it as they should. And then we say, you're a wreck to therapy. You go. Right. And listen, it, uh, my entire family's in therapy, except my husband. So it, what's wrong with him really? Right. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> but I'm in therapy. Yeah. I, I am the adult. I am in therapy. Like if, if you are having a family problem and you're not getting help parents, it's not the child's like you've been alluding to and saying directly, actually, this entire time. It's not the child's burden to change, to make the family comfortable. Correct. Absolutely correct. Do I still want your kid in therapy maybe to survive your parenting? Hell yes. <laughs> but you also yeah. have to yeah. go. You and you do. deserve the support. Yeah. You deserve to cry somewhere. You deserve to tell the truth to someone who won't repeat it. You deserve to unpack things or not, but we abdicate all the time to people who we think know better. They don't, they don't. It's just another relationship. It is right there. We're, we're saying a lot of the same things that other people are saying, but with an authority that maybe they listen. And I think one of the hardest things is that when just the child goes, no change is ever going to happen because the child's going right back into the same dynamic. So like you said, you can teach the, the teenagers how to cope better in the environment they're in, but that's a short-term solution. And that's just helping them cope rather than saying, let's change the environment rather than helping them cope in the environment. How do we do that? And that's parents- have to be involved to do that. There's no other way. That's right. And, and don't get me wrong. A lot of you are like, I'm parenting my ass off. I'm an, I'm a great person. I've done the therapy and I believe you. And I believe that there's kids out there who are just super neuro spicy and you can be like friggin' Dalai Lama over there. And the kid still needs therapy to work out and gain tools, especially mm-hmm. when the kid needs to gain tools for executive functioning and all these things, right? Um, social skills, all that. Absolutely. That's not really what I'm talking about, right. right? I'm talking about everybody's got some stuff and the kid's the only one going. Yep. Um, that is an unfair burden. Still send them because something's better than nothing. And, um, and, and parents, you're worth it. You're worth it to take care of yourself. You, 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 you don't have to earn that. Yeah. You can go and take care of yourself and no one needs to know. You can keep it like a shameful secret that you get mental health care, but you don't have to. I think the big thing is by going, I think people feel like I'm admitting that I'm a bad parent. I'm admitting that I'm doing it wrong. And I think that is a fallacy too, because we are all doing the very, very best we can. And I know the intention behind a lot of this is exactly where, like, it's good intention. What's lacking is just knowledge. That's it. So yep. it's not, it's not a poor parent. It's not a bad anything, bad intent. It's just, I'm trying to accomplish something and I don't have the information I need to do it well because nobody's taught it. 
I've never learned it. There's no way for me to know it. So you're not a bad parent for not knowing information that nobody has. Very few people have. Yes. You can get it. You can get that information and become a stronger, more effective parent and have more peace in your home. That's the cool thing. Yes. And, you know, I tell parents, you're never ahead of the curve. You, you, you never reach a parenting place where you're like, got it. I mean, do. And then for like two days and then the kids are like, you know, I'm going to change up on you. And, um, the quicker you can allow yourself to be deeply humbled, Mm. to not think that you will achieve a state. Yeah. Do not think that you will, um, transform into, um, it's, it's not a goal. It's a practice. It's a, it's a humbling practice. And I find a lot of comfort in that because then I'm not trying to achieve anything, right? It's, it's, it's a nuanced thing, but it's turning away from achievement and more toward aspiration, Mm. which is, you know, I'm an English teacher. The words matter to me. And that allow that it just, it allows a lot of room. It allows a lot of room for mistakes, for learning, for learning about yourself, for learning about your kids. Like I say to my kids all the time, you know, like true story. I've never parented you at this age before. Because when we both woke up, it's a new day. Yep. So you're blowing my mind a little bit. I need a beat. Um, I'm, you know, having some of my own stuff. So, you know, let's put a pin in it because almost nothing is urgent. Right. Almost nothing, unless they're going to die. And then you got to do what you got to do, which is actually the problem for some parents. Call the hotlines, like do, do what you got to do. Everything else is not urgent. School, not urgent. Right. Tests, learning, not urgent. Yeah. Cleaning, chores not urgent, not more urgent than the relationship. Exactly right. People are going to get their panties in a bunch, but I don't know how else to tell people how true it is. Yeah. Because I've watched them do everything the other way. Yeah. I've had people say, tell me, um, I don't want to I don't want to do something kind like I'll, you know, someone will be like, well, we were supposed to go and get a spa treatment together, but they didn't do well on their test. So I'm not doing that. And I said, why not? And they go, well, I don't want to reward her for not doing well on her test. And I said, well, how does you and her going and getting a pedicure together have anything to do with her test? In fact, that's the very thing she needs right now right in that connection. And people look at me like I'm crazy, but I've had people come back like this particular mom and go, I thought you were crazy, but oh my gosh, like that resolved it far more than anything else could have done because that built the connection. So taking away things that bring them joy because they're not doing what you want them to do is not helping anything. It's making it worse. Well, and I always say, right, like, okay, so close your eyes. You're 15. You just failed your math test. You didn't prepare for it well because you've always kind of felt dumb in math. And so you kind of don't put a lot of effort in. 
and you failed like you thought you would and your friends did great and you came home and you were supposed to go to you know the local ballpark and they say no because you failed how's your heart feel right now not very good most parents can't even access that it's but he failed right so it's the work is even getting to the place where parents can tap back into when they were young yeah um and and helping everyone realize it's both and you can take them to the pedicure throw the ball around in the park go out to dinner go to the movie and help them succeed in math everything is both and yeah um there's no teaching and suffering not that kind of suffering yeah now taking the keys away because they can't drive responsibly that's a direct correlation exactly shutting down certain technology because they can't get off of it that's a correlation like there are correlations where you can step in but even then you can work with them on that yeah it's really it's it's really um it's painful it's just so unnecessary the amount of pain we cause in our relationships and parents know like they know it's crappy nine times out of ten they just don't have any other choices they think they don't yeah they don't know what else to do yeah they don't know what else to do and it's amazing when you say how about you just don't do anything about that for right now yeah people do not like hearing that panic feels it feels like I'm not doing anything and right. it is, it's so hard. It's like the best thing you can do right now is let go. And right. it's not something parents feel comfortable doing. And I will say, I feel really, really lucky because I was a wreck of a teen, right? Like ditto. barely graduated, went to college to dry out like a wreck, your worst <laughs> nightmare right? It's only because of my white, white skin did I not end up in jail. So I know my privilege loud and clear, but the gift of that has been, I know your hard kids. I know their tender hearts. I know the walls around them. I know who reached me and who didn't. And I know why. Everyone is different, but not that different. Right. Right. Everyone's desperate for that connection and to feel valued. And every time somebody gave up on me, it was another, as Pink Floyd would say, another little brick in my wall. Yeah. I didn't blame them. I mean, I made it hard, but. Hurtful. Yeah. Um, So whatever it is that you're doing or going through, don't give up. And when I say don't give up, I'm not talking about the punishments, rewards, if thens. I'm talking about don't give up communicating with the real human in your house, the actual person who's meant for more than just graduation or chores or showing up like this or showing up like that. 
but like they're a full human. Yeah. Don't give up on that person. I love that. Yeah. That's a beautiful way to beautiful way to wrap that up. I think that's gorgeous. So how do people find you, Megan? MLParentCoach.com. Um, it's all there. Um, I have a lot of old columns there, but now the post says I can't post them anymore. So I have a lot of old columns. (laughs) Um, I have a lot of old columns there, but you can search it. Um, I've online classes. I've one for young tweens and tweens. Um, and, uh, Instagram ML parent coach. I mostly just post garbage, like dumb memes. Mm. I do take myself very seriously. (laughs) I am not a curated person. (laughs) You're old. And so yeah, I'm everywhere. Washington. I love it. Com. Yeah. Wonderful. Yeah. The article, the column is wonderful. And it's so fun to just see a lot of the questions and see how you respond to those too. And I think people, when they read that are going to go, oh, I relate to a lot of these, <laughs> like a lot of them. Right. And you know, between you and I, um, the amount of grandparents who write to me, yeah, the amount of people that are healing old traumas and wounds, mm. like the people that write to me, like, I can't stop crying. This is me. I'm 84. Oh. I'm like, oh, okay. I know why I'm doing oh, this. Oh, wow. Yeah. 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 Very. It's just interesting. Anyway. So yeah. So that's where you can find me. MLParentCoach.com. My coach, online classes. Meow, meow. Fantastic. Thank you, Megan. I'm really grateful you could join us today. I love this conversation. This Thank you really so much. Fun. Yes. Yes. And thank you parents for taking time out of your busy day to spend with us. I appreciate you as well. If you want more information on how to best support your teens, check out my top 10 tips for raising teens at askdrcam.com slash parenting tips. Until next time, stay curious. Remember, there's always more to the story than what we see. And that's a wrap. Thanks for joining me today on Parenting Teens with Dr. Cam. Make sure to visit my website, www.askdrcam.com, where you can subscribe to the show in iTunes, Stitcher, or via RSS, so you'll never miss a show again. While you're at it, if you found value in this episode, I'd appreciate a rating on iTunes, and hey, why not share it with a friend too? Be sure to tune in to my next episode. And remember, parenting teens may not be easy, but with my help, it can be a whole lot easier than this.